Welcome back to Inspiring Neighbors Podcast, where we showcase seemingly ordinary people with extraordinary stories. Today's guest was amazing, as they all have been. She was, I called her a mouthful. I hope I didn't insult her. <laughs> that was the best part. <laughs> this person is a mother of two beautiful daughters, a retired dance teacher. She's a brand and marketing strategist. She's a fashion nerd, she calls herself. She's created many companies and associations that we talk about. Uh, we joked at the beginning that she's lived a life already in her young age. And yeah. we were surprised that she had done all this already. And it just keeps growing and growing. And, and it was really spectacular to hear about. Yeah, I thought she was amazing. It was a pleasure to get to talk to her. And uh, you could just already tell from the many many varied experiences that she had that she's uh, got to have a lot of wisdom through that mm -hmm. and not only does she but she's great at conveying that and she was so kind to share with us what she's learned through that journey about mindset about dealing with perfectionism about uh for herself kind of finding a way to focus all her energy in mm -hmm. into into really serving her goals and her vision for the future and yeah. uh, obviously that involved some process of letting go of things that she had thought and had done before and yeah. and I found that really fascinating what she talked about yeah me too it made me think about yeah that's some of the things I have to let go of <laughs> <laughs> but I I loved it and I guess most recently she her and her husband have created a mindset coaching and mentoring company that has done really well and helped many 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 people achieve some big goals so without further ado please enjoy Jacqueline Conway let's talk to our neighbors because everyone can inspire the inspiring neighbors podcast like Jafar all right so Jacqueline Conway welcome to the inspiring neighbors podcast you are a mouthful you have you are a brand and marketing strategist. I've never been called a mouthful, before, <laughs> by the way. That's really funny. <laughs> it just slipped out. Maybe I'll. I'm I love gonna it. Stick I'm with good it, with it. It's okay. fine. I'm into Jacqueline, it. Jacqueline, yeah. the, the mouthful. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> I'll explain. You are a brand and marketing strategist. Mm -hmm. You are a fashion nerd and dare I say fashion icon almost oh you like just oh, look in the you. background Angela of yeah, Jacqueline's yeah. <laughs> studio it's ridiculous like, oh, everything Jack touches is turns out to look fantastic um you are what do I say a multipreneur you you've created yeah, multiple multi I call myself a bit of a slashy I guess I kind of do okay. a lot of things I wear a lot of hats but also I'm definitely multi-passionate for sure I have a lot yeah. of things I love and I love to do, and I've had to reel that in over the years, and it gets more and more clear all the time. But for those that are like that, just keep the faith that it will all come yeah. together. <laughs> I love it. And uh, you're also a mother, mm -hmm. a wife, mm -hmm. a retired dance teacher. Yeah, yeah. But maybe, do we say retired? Because Oh, yeah. I'm not in the thick of it like I was uh, okay. two years ago. Yeah. I used to teach regularly and be involved in the competitions much more in, de in depth like because I had groups in it and things like that but I right. just get to continue that world a little bit through my daughter who's oh, in amazing. it now so yeah well, and what kind of dance was that that you were first I was really in? uh really more of a jazz aficionado that was like my my uh 
sweet spot oh, when it came cool. to dance. I loved jazz. Yep. And uh, it took a few years to figure that out because I did a lot of things. Like I did, I taught lyrical, I taught tap, I taught, um, what else, musical theater once or twice. Um, but I didn't have the singing background, but I had the dance background, I suppose. But jazz is really where I, that's where my heart lied when it came to dance. And that started when you were quite young? Yeah, I was three when I... Yeah meandered into my first dance class so yeah I was young and then I taught you know I trained for 18 years well not 18 years up until I was like 18 19 Mm because I was more of the student then I started teaching not long after that and um you know speaking of things like mentorship it was really mentorship that helped me get started because my sister I have two sisters I have one that's got 10 years on me and one's got two years on me so the one that was a bit older 10 years older um I worked with her she was also a dance teacher so I got to assist her classes and kind of learn how to lead a class and work with the older kids which is something else I loved I like 12 plus you know some people are just mm-hmm. meant to work with little guys I'm I was definitely meant to work with the 12 plus kids that's yeah. like where I I really enjoyed that <laughs> those ages and um learned a lot from her and then she ultimately kind of had to leave at a certain point career-wise it was time for her to move on and then I took yeah. over from where she kind of left off oh, and then wow. I was there in that role the studio one in Saskatoon for 17 years I taught there for Holy it's wild what? so it's yeah. like yeah I feel like I've had a whole other life I was just gonna <laughs> say like a whole you... career on its own like I can't believe yeah. that there's more to talk about than that yeah, <laughs> yeah I know Holy. right yeah it's like a whole it's career just on one of the things just uh, one of the things yeah so I told to you my point multiple. about being multi-passionate right <laughs> yeah. yeah no kidding can you tell it like tell us a bit more about your childhood you I've heard in previous conversations with you you talk about your mom very lovingly about her being the kind of influence in your passion for uh fashion passion for fashion. oh yeah for sure my mom was always like done up to the nines no matter what still does like get fully dressed up in her retirement mm. like every day and um for sure set a standard I think for me and my right. sisters of like how to show up how to you know, present yourself and I've heard her say multiple times that she always does that because it's out of respect for others like she was a principal for many years that was like her career profession she's an educator absolutely loves what she does and she would always dress up and that was the reason because she always wanted to show others respect through her how she showed up and every school she ever went to always got better when she was there because of her standards Mm -hmm. so it's something I greatly uh, appreciate as an adult is you don't really think about it growing up consciously right you just are around it to kind of get accustomed to it and I also have great Mm -hmm. appreciation for my dance teacher that I had too um, Eloise Sitter, she has incredible standards. So I have these two kind of women in my life that from a young age, of course, you know, my mom, of course, from, from birth and then Eloise yeah. from age three, um, really demonstrating this way of being, um, always upholding a high level out of respect for you, for others, for yourself, and mm-hmm. not really accepting anything less than that. So I've always, I've, in my older years, not even that old yet, I guess, but <laughs> as I get older, um, trying to embrace my thirties more, you guys, yeah. <laughs> um, is, uh, is yeah, just appreciating that, that, uh, kind of like leadership without ex- explanation, just like observing them as I grew up. Yeah. Kind yeah. of leading by example. The, exactly. The really cool thing is the first place my head goes is how do you have three daughters and set a standard that high and meet it every day? Like yeah, discipline. She's a very disciplined myself, person, but yeah, she continues I, to be a very disciplined person. Yeah, like our girls are in school now, but like I still mm-hmm. have 
someone that comes in a couple nights a week to help out like just yeah. keeping the house clean and <laughs> keeping yeah. meals on the table that are healthy and not just easy grab food right and <laughs> yeah. um even with that extra support like i still feel like i'm running like crazy so yeah yeah i think women of a different generation had a lot more responsibility and just like rose to mm-hmm. that challenge like yeah. pretty effortlessly in certain ways you're kind of like how how did they do it i don't know <laughs> i know i think that often how do you guys do this and you grew up in Saskatchewan, right? Is that Yes, yeah, from Saskatoon, yeah, born and raised. And then to your point about yes, my background in fashion. Yeah, I always loved fashion growing up and did a stint for a year in Montreal to study that specifically, so lived there for a while. And that was a great experience. Um creatively, like I I loved it, absolutely loved it. Uh but also living somewhere else for a while just to get fresh perspective is always good and mm-hmm. uh really valued that, but uh uh, had just started dating Dave, my husband, not long before I left, and we ultimately Ooh. decided to come back here <laughs> not long after I left, but um, all works out. It all worked out really well. So yeah. happy that I left for well, happy that I came back, and happy for whatever comes next. So Very cool. And that that wasn't the only schooling you did after high school, right? You you did some work. Oh, in- yeah. I did my degree as well. So, I, yeah, I didn't move to Montreal until I'd finished my degree in, in business. Okay. So, I have my, like, commerce degree in finance and marketing. Gotcha. Yeah. So, I did that. Then wanted to pursue this whole fashion passion and did that for a year. And then when I came home, I um, got back into dancing, of course. I uh, also teamed up with another person here in Saskatoon. We started a fashion festival. So, I, I worked for a designer for a while and I to see what it was like to be a designer. Yeah. I was like, what is this like? You know, really, what is it like? And that yeah. experience was invaluable because I got to feel if this was right for me. So that practical aspect is so important in any kind of career you're thinking of doing is like get in, get your hands dirty, right? Get your hands dirty, actually fill out what it's like to do the work. Mm-hmm. And so once I got a feel for being a small run designer in Canada, I realized a few few important things. Um, number one, I was not nearly a fast enough sewer. So you need to be incredibly <laughs> fast at sewing. Otherwise, you will not make money because you need to be pumping stuff out and selling it. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have, if you want, if you have some money to play with, then you need to be, uh, you know, outsourcing that production process, which is costing a lot more money. So you have to be bankrolling it to keep it pumping out. So it's all about the production. Mm-hmm. So I was not fast enough. I also felt very bogged down by just the sheer amount of stuff you needed right. like you need a big space you need a lot of equipment like a lot of way more equipment than you would think you need yeah. a lot of fabrics you need a lot just a lot of everything and I was like oh this feels I'm not sure I'm cut out for this to be honest yeah. <laughs> and so however that didn't diminish my love of the the art form and you considered just fashion designer art form and I just I still wanted to be in it I knew that i probably wasn't going to be a designer anymore but I Mm -hmm. wanted to still be in the industry so that's where this fashion festival came in and so really starting to put like my marketing ideas to work and with brand and you know Mm -hmm. advertising and public relations and and all of that event planning of course all stuff I do today in a slightly different way but all started with that really because I knew um also like I I wasn't cut out for just that normal corporate job out of school. Like I tried that and I was like, God, this is so not me. I can't, I can't function here. I was in a larger company and I just like, can't do it. It's not for me. Um, And only spent like a year and a half in that kind of environment. So I knew that wasn't right for me. And I knew I had lots to prove. And so when me and this woman, her name's Mandy Pravda, when we teamed up, we both kind of had that attitude where it's like we had, felt like we kind of had something to prove and we had a lot of passion and energy and put this event on for, it's still, it well, kind of explain, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we we published it or produced it for eight years, I think. 
Um, And then it evolved into becoming a full-on registered nonprofit organization, which is now called the Saskatchewan Fashion Association, which is kind of like the first organization of its kind in Saskatchewan. And really, when we... uh, when we first created the festival, the idea was that it be like a hub for community, for people that were fashion creatives, because there was nothing for those people. There was a place for those people to congregate in any like real tangible way. Right. And me being one of those that desired to be in the industry, but just there was no, there was nothing for me to really tap into here. Mm-hmm. And so to even just begin to understand if it's something I wanted to do, right? Like I took yeah. me from going across the country to learn how to do it, to work with someone to figure out that it wasn't actually my fit in the industry. Yeah. So we wanted to bring the people together. We wanted to create a hub. We wanted to create community collaboration and all those things. And we've successfully done that. And now we're, yeah, registered nonprofit, um, still going, still producing the festival. I'm not as involved anymore, um, but still very much a cheerleader for everything that they're doing from kind of like the sidelines now. But Holy um, I hope that it continues on for many years. It's, I hope, you know, I hope that yeah. the group continues moving it forward and it gets, you know, stable footing in the long term, which I think it will, uh, so that there's a place for these creatives to go um, in the long yeah. term. So that's my so legacy in the fashion industry. <laughs> and this is a like this is this a place where fashion designers will come? Is it just local yeah. fashion designers? Or do yeah, you it's get, typically like, Saskatchewan huge... based designers. That's kind of okay. the mission is that it feature Saskatchewan talent. So right. from all over the province, though, because it's called Saskatchewan mm-hmm. Fashion Association now. So yeah. ideally, you know everyone feels included you know it's tough sometimes not you can't be everywhere at once but that's a goal of the organization these days is to is to try to embrace and feel inclusive for everyone in the industry and yeah Yeah. support them all where does marketing and brand work fit into this was it did that start before the fashion uh, festival yeah it did actually yeah it's a good question so uh yeah trained in marketing then in design and then started producing fashion events. And then also I would work with like small clients too, doing graphic design and things like that. I was trained a lot in, in that too when I was in Montreal. So I took put those skills to work as well. And that's really where I started doing like art direction, creative direction, graphic design. And then I would produce my own stuff to kind of use my skills more so and build up a portfolio, make connections. And yeah. so kind of started all around that same time. So I wasn't full-time doing like, the fashion stuff it did not pay the bills so (laughs) so i definitely still did uh more of that like branding advertising stuff too Mm. in conjunction with it yeah yeah and then you know my story gets fun too when i gosh i feel like i'm all over the place this is why i'm multi-passionate slashy so for the creatives out there that's they probably have similar backgrounds can resonate with us but in the midst of all that like kind of fashion festival work and, and the branding stuff too um i ended up getting a job in music marketing back in 2012 uh so like over 10 years ago wow it feels Mm -hmm. it feels like it wasn't that long ago but uh my experience in planning a festival really sort of like maybe qualified for that role so I worked in music and helped promote that event and and the real draw to that event was like the brand presence like it was Mm -hmm. it was like the coolest event in town and it had like cool artists like the roots and like little Richard and um when oh, I was cool. there, like we had like Lauren Hill and John Legend and Common and Big Boy and like wow. cool, cool hip hop artists, all stuff mm-hmm. that I would listen to as like a teenager. Yeah. So it was a really, really cool job. I got to be um, in the thick of like the entertainment industry and I got to work on amazing brand campaigns. I worked with amazing agencies from the United States and Chicago and they're called Firebelly. Incredible, wow. incredible designers there. Um, 
yeah, so I got to work on that. And that was just, wow. that was just a blast. Yeah. And then I kept everything else too. That was, this is where the learning how to edit your life comes in because <laughs> I was working with, you know, jazz festival and, and working on that and then also continue to do the fashion stuff and teaching dance. So it oh was really God. intense and it means being a mother and a wife first too. <laughs> oh so I eventually got to the point is would be, come as no surprise that something had to go. So I had to slowly kind of divest, uh, a lot of those efforts, um, especially yeah. as the rise of uh, Dave's coaching business started to happen. Mm. So like Dave started a coaching business in 2017 and um, definitely needed some help and support in marketing yeah. that. So Conway Consulting yeah. is, is it would be known as today. So that was starting about 2017. So that's in the midst of when I was doing all this stuff and, and trying oh to get gosh. real, just get clear, right. On, on like what I want to do or what I kind of work I really, really love because it was not sustainable to do all these things. And so I kind of just started to reflect on each one and then slowly had to kind of divest. So it was uh, knowing the fashion stuff. I was like, I love it. but I know I'm not going to do this long term and I want to kind of hand over the keys eventually. So I just yeah. slowly kind of like dialed down my involvement, but wanted to support that organization as much as I could before I left. So wanted to leave it in somewhat of a stable situation before I left. So yeah. Uh, left that org in about 2019 and then left dancing in 2020. And then, uh, after I had my daughter, Lily in 2018, I just didn't go back to jazz festival. So it kind of started with the jazz festival, unfortunately, and then the fashion and then the dance. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just kind of like at the same time as that kind of winded down, my involvement with Conway really ramped up. Yeah. And, uh, that's a fun story too, because, uh, Dave and I went to this event in, uh, 2017. It's called Paradigm Shift with Bob Proctor. Mm -hmm. And it was a really profound weekend, I'd say, for both of us, very much for Dave. Dave kind of realized that he wanted to be a coach or mm -hmm. actually didn't, it wasn't a coach. He just wanted to be like Bob. He wanted to teach personal development. Right. And he finally just accepted that and then was presented with the opportunity to do it. So that's what he did. Wow. And for me, I, I guess my experience of it, I, I had this big shakeup in awareness. So there was this one slide. Dave has the same memory. It's weird, but at a different event. But this one slide that Bob taught, um, for those familiar with Bob Proctor, Google him. He's a really cool guy. So he was teaching about awareness, and there was this yellow dot on the screen. It started off like just like a pin, right? Like a pinprick mm -hmm. and a black screen, basically. Yeah. And he's like, that could be your level of awareness today. And he's like, what if I doubled it? And then how much could you earn? What would your life look like? I feel like your awareness mm -hmm. of the world expanded, even just double what you know now. Yeah. And then what would happen if it went like here or here or here or here? And I was just like, mm -hmm. and then what it revealed to me, there's this quote that I, or this idea that came to mind that we always talk about on coaching calls and retreats that we run today is, well, what don't I know that's holding me back? And so it got really scary. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh my God, have I just been literally running around like with a chicken with my head cut off for the last decade? Mm -hmm. And like, what am I not aware of that's keeping me in like a holding pattern? And I'm, you know, I'm a hungry, ambitious kind of person. I want to, I want to be good. I want to be world-class expert mm -hmm. at something one day, but all my actions were just spreading all my energy and all right. my actions reflected that I actually didn't really know very much at all. And then he started to ask us, uh, what if you could take your annual income and turn it into your monthly income? And I was just like, no way. Like, that's mm. not a thing. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, that's <laughs> not, like, that? that doesn't just happen. Like, what? Like, that's, like, absurd was kind of my yeah. reaction. I have a very different reaction to it today. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, at that point, 2017, I was just like, I make, like, 50 grand a year in arts marketing. Like, I'm not going to make 50 grand a month doing what I'm doing. Mm. But the thing is, it's not about 
doing what you're doing to make more. It was about accepting this idea and letting the idea start to shift you and change you. And then different things open up and different awarenesses arrive. Like, oh, wait, if I want to make 50 grand a month or our goal was 100 grand a month when we kind of work together. Mm -hmm. Oh, we can't. I can't teach dance. I can't do a fashion festival. I can't work in arts marketing nonprofit. Mm. Like that's not going to happen if I really want this. So the key is that these ideas, if you want them, these goals or visions for yourself, if you really want them, then you really just have to start to take a hard look at your life, which can be scary and ask yourself, well, what needs to go to let in these new ideas? Because all goals are our ideas. So Mm. if I'm accepting a current idea that I'm this like creative type, then if I want to be a creative type that earns a lot more money, well, then what does that look like? And then you kind of have to begin to open yourself up to just new possibilities and be mm-hmm. also really willing to let things go, which is the hardest part. And there's a level of like doing the work and going through some days are quite painful. I feel like when you do, when you go through that and it's like this expansion yes. of your awareness is, is sometimes hurts. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember being really rattled up after that event in Mm -hmm. 2017 for about a month. I just felt like an observer of my life and it was like kind of freaky and uh, really kind of felt a little bit out of body, I suppose. Like you just observe like how you live, you know, you observe because that's what awareness is. You just suddenly become conscious of the unconscious. So Mm -hmm. I'd go to work unconsciously. I'd sit down, do my work unconsciously. You know, I'd Mm -hmm. think about the work, but I wouldn't think about why I'm doing the work. (laughs) So so it can, I think that's really what an out-of-body experience is, is when the unconscious becomes conscious. Mm. And um, I kind of went through that. And from there, it was just like a, a steady kind of progression of change for us, or mm-hmm. Dave and myself. For, and it continues to be today because the thing is, once you decide to live in sort of a uh, goal-oriented way of life, um, like... You, you can't just stall. You know what I mean? You, can't, you yeah. can't stop, especially if like your business is to coach people through that. It's like, well, too bad. So sad. You have to live it out. You can't be a fraud. You have to be living this way all the time, which is yeah. a real challenge too. Because yeah. it's like, oh, I'm pretty comfortable now. You know, like we've hit some pretty big goals and mm-hmm. our, you know, we have a, a good sized team and a decent client size base and all these things. It's like, oh, we could coast for a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's like, well, then we, we would become frauds. So always have to is it, something bigger i feel like it's not even in your blood to coast i feel like like no i don't think so has that we get very bored quickly ever your mind? <laughs> yeah no i could see that even the idea of a retirement doesn't really kind of make me excited like i don't think mm-hmm. either of us will retire i think we'll always be working in some way needing to like be doing something expressing something making something yeah, yeah. i believe that you mentioned kind of the the stepping back and realizing the awareness and like coasting. I don't know if you use the word coasting, but before you went to that event, you were doing amazing things. Like you just listed a hundred things you were doing at the same time. Was any of that goal oriented or were you just kind of, this seems sweet. I'm going to do it. This seems sweet. I'm going to do it. Yeah. It was just the second, the latter, this seems Mm. sweet. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Like, um, I've always been like a heart-centered person, very community-oriented. I love bringing people together. I think that's why I keep finding myself in event-based situations. Yeah. <laughs> like the fashion stuff was always us doing events. And then same with the jazz festivals, like the big one of the biggest events of the city. And then and now with Conway, it's like, yeah, the events and workshops is a huge, it's a huge part of what we do. So I keep finding mm-hmm. myself in these environments where that seems to be what's on tap is bringing right. people together. 
And that seems to be a common denominator that is really important to me. And it, it, it continues to be like bringing like-minded people together, also creating a positive impact for those people, doing it mm. in a sophisticated way. So it's done well, it's inspiring, it's mm -hmm. visually appealing and all those kind of brand related things. Um, and it's meaningful, mm -hmm. you know, like bringing people together to enjoy music in a beautiful environment was meaningful to me. And bringing the design community together was meaningful. Teaching young young people how to dance and express themselves through that medium was meaningful to me. So there's yeah. always the, I have this common denominator. It's like all the work I do is meaningful, sophisticated, impactful. So I find that that continues to follow me forward now that I'm with working predominantly with comic consulting as, mm -hmm. you know, as a partner and the leader there. But those three things anchor me certainly, but definitely with a more of a goal focus. So right. hence the evolution, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Was there any kind of struggle in that shift to move away from, oh, yeah, like, leave tons. some of these things behind? What was that? Of course. What did that feel like? Oh, it was really hard. It was very hard. And it took years. <laughs> like, it took you multiple years to, like, make that transition. And because you're so, you're, you're so invested in these things. You know, I've always been, um, yeah, like I say, I'm heart-centered. I'm a creative. I, I love to bring people together and you get emotionally attached to these these missions and visions that you create in these different environments and the hardest was dance though like the kids yeah. are just like oh my god they're just the best and so mm -hmm. you don't want to let them down and you want to continue to support their growth and, and be there along the way but I just knew like in the long term that they'd need a teacher that was like all in and I was like the I was like the after five warrior right like I would come mm -hmm. in do my thing for a couple hours a couple times a week and and then I'd be back to, you know, like marketing brand and, you know, like events, you know, like the kind of main, mm. my main job. So yeah. I knew that um, as a teacher, I would, if I was, if that was my choice, if I was going to go that direction, I'd have to leave everything behind and go like all in. And I knew that I, I wasn't going to do that. So that's kind of what drove that decision, which was really tough. So it's always hard to let go. I have a crazy story about letting go, actually, if you want to hear it. <laughs> Please hear it. <laughs> okay, it's really wild. I've only shared it a couple of times, and I sometimes cry, so I'll just warn you. I might cry a little bit, but okay, I probably, I'm excited. I, I'll try not to. It's, 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 more, it's more happy than sad. Okay, well, so you're allowed I, to cry if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> <I think> it's good. <laughs> okay, so um, I went, like, after I had Lily's, this was in 2018, so but a year after I went to that event with Bob, I, I went through this like big purge of my house. And mm -hmm. so if anyone's done that before, like KonMari or like home edit, like I just love mm -hmm. that stuff. So um, I was feeling just kind of like I was at home a lot because I was a mat leave and I was feeling like, oh, there's just stuff everywhere. And we weren't quite settled. We had moved recently. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, this house needs like a serious like calming through. And so I started kind of working my way through each area of the house and it was starting to feel really good. And I was like, oh, this is like, feels like a new house. Like the energy in here is so good. Yeah. But then I could feel this like weight. And I was like, oh, there's something like, I feel like there's like a closet full of skeleton somewhere. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. there, like there's something like weighting me down here. Yeah. And we had moved quickly, which meant we didn't sell our old house. We actually kept it, rented it out. So okay. there was tenants living in it. So we didn't really have a lot of stuff in the house. But we had a lot of stuff in the garage, which I found out. So I'd forgotten yeah. about that. I went to the garage, opened the door, and I was like, oh, my God. And I oh, knew intuitively no. that this was the stuff that was like I could feel that yeah. was like weighing me down. So I got – I found – you know, I wrangled up Dave. I wrangled up a kind of like a laborer that worked for Dave at the time because he was still in construction and mm -hmm. a couple of trucks. 
and we like went to town on the scratch. And so a third of the stuff went to the garbage, like the dump, a third of it was sold and a third of it was still good that we kept that we mm. needed. So yeah. that's a that's how much stuff you may have. Two thirds yeah. of which is actually not useful to you as a, just a quick like that's little, accurate. Yeah. like a yeah, quick yeah. little like uh, mental <laughs> note there. And so I also knew, like, I remember going through that process and then being like, Dave, we really need to sell that house. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's gotta go. Like we yeah. have, it's like energetically a weight and it needs to go. So hence mm-hmm. the purging just continuing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so he agreed and he was a bit of a house hoarder back then, which isn't a bad thing. Like we have real estate properties and stuff like that too, that he would, yeah. he built up over the years. And mm-hmm. um, it's not a bad idea to keep real estate, not talking down about it, but some of them you should sell. Yeah. <laughs> this one we needed to sell. <laughs> and um, and so I was kind of like being like, okay, well, you can't be involved because I think your energy is preventing us from selling this. Uh, which You're I think it was because we tried selling it before and it wouldn't sell. Yeah. And I was like, it's you, Dave. It's totally you. Like you want, <laughs> you were trying to hoard this house. Like you need to let it go. And <laughs> I, um, I was like, you can't be involved in the sale of this house in any mm-hmm. way, shape or form. I'm going to do everything. Wow. I'll get it ready. I'll do the pictures. I'll do everything. And yeah. the backyard had not been managed well right. because we had tenants there. So there was like mm-hmm. weeds. It was a mess. And so mm-hmm. I, um, I took on this project and I also was like knee deep in kind of personal development studies. So while I was going through this, I was studying uh, Definiteness of Purpose by Napoleon Hill. It's a really powerful recording. I highly recommend any human anywhere to listen to it many mm. times. Um, it's about 55 minutes, I'd say. And uh, this one day I was listening to it. I'd been listening to it on repeat for probably a week at this point. And so I was in the backyard with my earbuds in. I think it might have been this pair. <laughs> I was like pulling the weeds, getting this house ready to go and I just was like, he said something um, really profound. He says a lot of profound things, but one mm-hmm. of them was, um, w- it was just like owning your own dignity as, ma- as a member of mankind, something like that. And he said mm-hmm. lots of other things around that, owning your dignity. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, it kind of like, it could have been the dust from the weeds. It could have been what he said. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> it was like, whoa, like it just like a big, <laughs> big awakening for me. So anyways, that day I drive home uh, to like my new house um, after that experience and it was a very odd thing that happened um so I was driving it up to the house and all of a sudden I had this like I don't know if you call it like a like a vision or I had this sensation in my heart that I was I was like the the new version of me Mm. it was like I experienced it in real time in real life right so you know you work on your idea of this like self-image or you you accepting new ideas into your life and wanting to feel what those actually feel like. Well, I was living it. I'd been given this gift to like feel it. And wow. it was very strange and scary, and, but amazing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I can call it nothing, nothing more than a spiritual experience where yeah. I felt like I was given this gift to, to feel given this like awareness, like, Oh, I'm in the car. I want about the house. I want I'm living the life I want. I'm doing what I want. I'm earning what I want. And I mm-hmm. had everything I wanted in this fleeting moment. Wow. And it was like this, it was just shown to me. Um, and it like really rattled me up. I ran to the house after and I showered because it was all gross from the weeds. And I was like, Dave, it's all real. It's all real. Everything that we're studying is real. It's like all shaken up and yeah, shaking and freaked out. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. But I, I know that like, you know, like spirit is real. God is real. I've mm-hmm. seen like I've, you know, everything that we are learning about these awarenesses we're getting, like all of this is like, is is here for for us to to become aware of to start to live the lives we actually want and the only thing holding us back is is literally awareness and yeah. just being willing to accept 
new ideas. And so mm-hmm. it was like very, you know, I used to tell the story and cry a lot. It does. I don't cry anymore, which is, which is good, I guess. But um, yeah, it was, it was a really moving moment for me. And it just started to solidify these ideas of letting go and moving right. on to something greater and how we can just attach so much emotion and feeling to just objects in our lives. Mm-hmm. And so when we start to release those things, we start to experience big shifts. And that was, that was one of them for me was this huge kind of awakening, I guess you could say that I was uh, on the right path. So I don't know if it's picking weeds, if it's listening to the definers of purpose recording, if it's this kind of purging idea or all of it together. But for me, it created this like very moving experience that forever changed me. So sounds, yeah, sounds super powerful. That story mm-hmm. made me want to cry when you talked about purging your house. <laughs> I was just thinking about the work that I would need. What was your relationship with money like pre-2017? Oh, non-existent. It was like, yeah, money was non-existent. I, um, I had zero money consciousness. Mm-hmm. I had zero motivation for money. Mm-hmm. Although I have like bougie taste. I've got mm-hmm. like champagne taste, but like zero mm-hmm. understanding of like money. Yeah. Um, I know that money's good. I know I need money. I know, you know, lots of like mechanical things about it, but yeah. it was not a focus for me in my work. And uh, that showed up in a lot of places. And I also, I was locked at a certain income level for a long time. Right. And uh, it happened when I was like a young 21 year old, maybe. I worked as a university student, I worked like in sales, I worked in cell phone sales and I could do really well commission wise. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is sweet. Like, awesome. Like I'm making like three grand a month and I'm Mm full-time student and it's like easy. And, uh, I like went on to earn that same amount for a long time and then just had like incremental bumps, you know, to the point Mm -hmm. where I was making like maybe five grand a month Mm -hmm. in 2017 or something like that. Like that's not a big jump to go from three to five grand. Um, so I was just locked in at this like certain income level for a really long time. And it was definitely mm-hmm. my paradigm. Like right. I had really some nasty kind of beliefs around money that earning mm-hmm. money was almost bad or mm-hmm. focus on money was bad Yeah, or that um, just almost kind of delusional thoughts about it, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, like yeah. completely inaccurate ideas around money. Yeah, And um, I love that you brought up money actually, because I think it's, it's a, like a, it's something that anyone could maybe be uh, kind of caught up on or like mm-hmm. not aware that they might have some mixed up ideas around money. But for me, I did for sure. And I was locked at the same idea for the same kind of income level for a long time until Bob's like, oh, take that and make it your annual or monthly. Mm-hmm. Like I was making probably like 55 grand a year. Um, and he's like, just make that your your uh, your monthly income. And I was like, yeah. what? Yeah, but I would I'm say that that was like, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> But then honestly, all money is, is just, it's just service. So it's like, okay, if I'm a five grand a month person, technically I know how to make 60 grand. Right. It's just, I need to learn how to make 60 grand in a month. Mm -hmm. And it's like, our company makes a certain level now. It's like, okay, we know we can do, you know, two to 400,000 a month. So it's like, well, can we, can we just change how quickly we earn that? Can we provide Mm -hmm. more service? Can we be of, of, of greater support and help to all the mm-hmm. people that need us? And so that's the way I look at money now. It's like, I can earn it. I know I can earn it. So can I just shorten the time? Right. And can I just be more impactful and more efficient, basically, in how yeah. I earn it and how I serve others? Very so, interesting. 
there yeah. you mentioned the service and i had a note here actually i wanted to tell you that you guys you and dave both have always appeared very service oriented like you're so quick to provide and just give to your clients i, I always remember well, thanks for that many years ago when i was one of your clients that you'd it just kept coming like you just kept giving and giving and giving and it was something that i respected a lot and yeah it's not you're not just saying it you actually demonstrate it and you live that and it's very cool to see well thank you that's kind yeah i you know there's a few people are like can you give too much right and I don't really think you can unless your like physical body is spent to the point where it's becoming destructive, then maybe you should rest <laughs> and yeah. heal yourself. But so long as you're in like the spirit of what you're doing mm-hmm. and you have the ability, the ability and willingness to give, then you should give, whether that's through the work you're doing, through the service, in any way really, through yeah. donating money to causes, through volunteering through helping your clients through meeting with someone extra that's beyond maybe what's agreed to like going the extra Mm -hmm. mile always is really something that we live all the time it's honestly to a fault (laughs) 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 like we're like literally like today on a sunday we're like we really need like two three days to just sit down together and and do a bit of like deep work on our business and it's impossible (laughs) because we're always in give mode like we're always like dave's got to talk here jack has to talk there like Mm -hmm. there's you know even the days that we have dedicated to it are interrupted by some sort of something that we're doing so yeah um but i don't foresee us ever really stopping that because really and truly i think we both love people Mm -hmm. we both are interested in people and helping them like i have this like very community-minded mind and he's got this like people interested in people clients you know client-centric mind He's mm-hmm. so great, like in one-on-one. I mean, he's good in any situation, really. He's a, like a powerful speaker um, to many people, but also one-on-one too. So I think mm-hmm. that those two skills have served us well, and I don't see them stopping. Me neither. <laughs> what would you say to someone who says, uh, if you give too much, you start to be taken advantage of? Well, that's just like a know thyself kind of moment, I think. Um, right. Like if someone is like maybe asking too much, uh, or it's like, yeah maybe taking advantage then it, mm-hmm. you can feel that you know when yeah. it's maybe too much and then it's kind of up to your not being a people pleaser a skill mm-hmm. that i think everyone needs to uh work on not being a people pleaser and be being open to support others but uh balancing that out with uh with doing what's healthy for both people involved so you don't want to enable bad behavior so right calling that out in a certain way i think is a skill that needs to be learned and from anybody really Mm -hmm. but honestly that work that ability comes from inner work you know the outer results are always a reflection of the inner right Mm -hmm. the inner party so um if you're struggling with that sort of like either perfectionism or people pleasing which i think is like a major problem in -hmm. our world i know for sure i can fall victim to those two problems perfectionism and people pleasing and uh my ability to to overcome those kinds of challenges in business has been the development of a healthy self-love like loving myself first appreciating Mm -hmm. myself uh knowing what value that i bring um and becoming my own best friend and becoming a bit more of like badass b-t-i-c-h i guess becoming Mm -hmm. more fierce in myself yeah um has has been immensely powerful to help me overcome that kind of thing 
But really, if if that's an issue for someone, then that's just a call that you're too much of a people pleaser. Right. Um, you can still be giving and generous without doing it because you want others to think good of you. You need right. to do it because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, not based on what others will sense. think of you. Does that, make, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Perfect sense. Yeah. Actually, I'm glad you brought up perfectionism. You're speaking to two perfectionists. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I can't imagine being so involved in like design and art and like fashion and building brands and being a perfectionist at the same time. I, I've struggled to like build a logo mm. because it's it has to be perfect and it's never perfect. 100%. Like, well, the, what would you say to that? Yeah, that's, I totally understand the feelings. Like you want mm. it, like, so there's a few mindset things that I, I find around that that are useful. The first is that if you hang on to something so long that when it's finally ready to release and it's just like spot on perfect, then you've waited too long to release it. Right. So you have to keep, fall in love with feedback. And uh. so that's something that I've really fallen in love with. It's like, I like getting stuff out to market and I want to see her feel the reaction to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very much a bit of a marketing crypto. So like if I see ideas out there, like strategy, I'm like, Oh, I want to try that. I got to try that with our market and our, our audience and see if it works and people like mm-hmm. it and, and then get the feedback and be like, okay, that really seemed to work. Let's like iterate it and like do it again. Um, mm-hmm. so I love that. I love that. And, uh, so and I didn't always, I would, or I would always just like, okay, I have to make it like perfect. It's gotta be like beautiful. It's gotta do this, mm-hmm. this, this. But <clears throat> if there's no, if there's no reaction, if there's no feedback from anybody, then, um, that's not, that's not good. You have to release it no matter what, even if you think it's like only 80% baked release it. Yeah. I would say like, maybe as a rule of thumb, anything that's like 75 to 80% baked is ready to release. Don't wait for it to get to the hundred percent. Cause then you've waited too long. Get it to like the 75 to 80 and then send it out there and then get the feedback and then iterate it. So that's what I've done. That's the approach I've taken with like our Calmly Consulting brand for a long time. Mm -hmm. Because really nailing like your core brand messages, like the true like narrative can take some time. Like the Mm -hmm. real like meat and potatoes of what you want to be like known for or what you want to stand for. Um, And certain things I feel like at at the very beginning, that we came up with are still relevant today. And some things we've like let go of over the years, like Dave used to be like very much positioned as like a sales mentor for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he still does that, but in within mentorships, but like as a public facing figure, like he's a mindset mentor, like that's right. his genius zone. That's what he mm-hmm. wants to be known for. That's what he should be known for. And yeah. so like, we've really switched the script on like what he's known for in the market. Right. And that couldn't have happened. That awareness, that clarity couldn't have happened if we had just like kind of sat on our hands waiting for it to come to us, like without launching and getting feedback, you got to put mm-hmm. it out there and see what comes back. And that, honestly, I find that super fun. Like when you're a marketer and, and you're a communicator, like you guys, like you're a scientist, you know, like you, yeah. you have a theory, a hypothesis, and then you're testing it and then you'll get feedback and then you'll go again. Mm-hmm. It's like no different in brand and marketing. So I love the way you put it. We're scientists. Yeah. I absolutely love the falling in love with feedback idea because you could expand that way beyond even delivering an item. Like it's just life. Like you, yes. tr- you should, you can try, if you don't try something, then you don't know how to get better at it. Right. Like that. Mm. Um, exactly. That kind of idea is just super cool. Yeah. But ba- back to marketing or not marketing, but branding in general, like you've mm-hmm. had such a long journey with it and being, you know, <laughs> going through fashion applications and music and, and now, uh, personal development coaching yep. and personal development yeah uh 
how has has your approach to branding changed through that time or oh, how have question. these experiences come together i love that um i'd say my just awareness is just a lot deeper so before i'd be super driven by just you know the visual result but it's like well what does that visual result mean what does it what emotions does it carry with it what messages does it carry with it what intention is there behind it so i would put together you know beautiful photo shoots or brand campaigns but the depth of it would really just be like i don't know community pretty things you know like i was about it um and you know this journey started probably once i got into music marketing when i started to think well why do people come to this event it's like why do they love like why do they love it what's the real like what are some of the reasons and pillars behind the actual movement of people to come to this mm-hmm. and i think when i did a bit of deeper work on that it was really like a community people and culture that's what i came to but even then it's probably not deep enough yet so it's like always asking like why 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 until you really hit on the core reason for why something exists mm-hmm. and then how to best communicate it um, to those that need to hear it. So a commitment I made in the last year, actually, and I think I've always had this mindset, but it just was revealed to me was like, how can I just always be, how can I be the most effective communicator with my audience to avoid confusion, to provide inspiration, to provide encouragement, motivation, to like, speak to the right people at the right times. You know, I think that's the marketer's goal, no matter what um, industry they're in or what they do is to like hit the right people with the right message at the right time. So it's a tall order. No kidding. Something also I wanted to bring up is the way that you and Dave kind of complement each other. Like you have the personal development stuff and then which lends itself often to people that are entrepreneurial in spirit i think you would yeah. you agree with that that oh for sure you can, yeah okay yeah so then also <laughs> while we're doing this we have the brand project which teaches mm-hmm. you all how to build a proper brand and find purpose in it and and you guys do that i've seen that throughout the entire building of like conway consulting and everything you guys do you guys have such a good you complement each other so well do you see that as well Oh yeah, like uh, our skill sets are certainly different but complementary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, like Dave with speaking and coaching and sales, and mine mm-hmm. with yeah, like brand and marketing and events and things like mm-hmm. that. So, bringing us together made logical sense. Um, Dave right. says this a lot too, but I full wholeheartedly agree that we don't work together because we're husband and wife. We work together because we balance each other out skills wise. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a master salesperson. I'm not a coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't see myself becoming necessarily either, although I do kind of coach people in marketing. So yeah. I, I guess that's kind of a, a bit different. I'm happy to teach people in marketing. and I love that. So mm-hmm. maybe there's a little bit of lap, overlap there. But, mm-hmm. you know, some of the skills he has, like certainly I don't. So I find that we just kind of balance each other out creatively. It works yeah. really well. We actually had our auras taken. Have you ever done that where you get like your aura photos done? No, but I'm interested. It's really fun. So uh, go do it. If you're ever in Sedona area in Arizona, okay. there's like places all over the place that do this. And so okay. we went to one one time. This was last year, I think. And uh, so our auras are completely opposite. So Dave is like bright red, which is very like willful. And then white, which is very spiritual. So mm. complete opposites within him exist. 
which is wow. really interesting. Yeah. And then me, I'm much more balanced. So I'm um, I'm like blue and green, which are closer colors on the color wheels. So yeah. I'm much more balanced. I don't like spike as high or dip as as low. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's the right even way to think about it. Probably not. But anyways, <laughs> we're just total opposites um, in terms of that. But then when we come mm-hmm. together, we had our photo done together. Yeah. And we're orange together, which is like uh, creative oh energy and art, artist, mm-hmm. artistic creative energy. That's what happens when we're together, which is also like pretty interesting because we've created a lot of things together. So, you know, uh, opposites can attract and it, you know, your energies can kind of work together for the yeah. benefit. And then it's yeah. just like, how do these two different personalities have to meet in the middle sometimes, right? So I'd say that's kind of like a, uh, always what we need to work on and improve on, but Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of respect for each other in our respective areas. And I think that's the first, probably the most important thing that we understand each other's value and we respect each other yeah. and uh, each other's point of view. Mm-hmm. And then be able to sort of try to find the best way to bring those two things together. So, so far it's worked out. No kidding. You guys are an awesome team. And I'm very interested in getting my aura photo taken. <laughs> yeah. Oh, everyone should do it. You know, you don't even have to, like, you could read the descriptions. I'm very much of the mind that you can accept it or you can not, you know? Yeah. And if there's something in there that they're like, oh, you're like this and you're like that and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, maybe sometimes, but like not all the time. So yeah. I never take anything too, too, like too deep where I feel like they're trying to tell me exactly who I am. It's like, no, mm-hmm. I understand how my mind works and how my brain works. I can rewire things if I want. I can change things if I want. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to just accept this fully. So yeah. yeah, take it with a grain of salt, but it is fun. <laughs> I love it. It sounds like a yeah. cool photo. So you're both very motivated people, I feel like. like almost, I would say self-motivated. Do you guys yeah. find you motivate each other often as well? Like, what is the balance there, mm. I guess? It's a good question. Working together. Uh, I, see, I see you both, I, like, in your swim lanes, in air quotes, sure. I'll call them. But yeah. But there must be in the background a lot of motivational conversations that take place. One person maybe wakes up not feeling great and the other is kind of pushing them to come mm. back around. Does that happen often? Uh, it can happen if it needs to, right? Like if you need to have the conversation, I think it does happen. You can for sure kind of read each other's energy for mm. sure. Like you kind yeah. of know what's up. Once you hang out with someone long enough, you really yeah. get to know them and get to know their moods or cycles or how they how they operate so you get to know each other really well mm-hmm. um i kind of like the policy of like i don't want dave to be like my coach right you know what i mean yeah. um i'll accept i'll listen to him and i'll take his advice if i think it's the right thing mm-hmm. but i think keeping a little bit of a separation ha- is good or i think that works for us at yeah. least it's like he's like in this mindset mentorship like all the time so mm-hmm. you could see how that he could be just mindset mentoring everybody, including yeah. me and our, you know, and actually I like it when you were such a kid. So I think that's really helpful. <laughs> but like um, uh, for us, like I want us to be, I want the relationship to be different, or, yeah. you know, so I actually have my own mindset mentor. He has his own mindset mentor. So if I mm-hmm. need someone that I need to work with or speak with or like reorient my morning routines or my mindset or like how to build up a certain attribute or characteristic that I'm working on and I have someone to support me in that and so I try to just lean on that because I think as similar as we are and as as we work well together like people are still individuals and we still need to have a sense of uh individuality I guess or like we still have um 
unique things about us. We don't do everything together. It's like he's like all about mountain biking. It's like I am not about mountain biking. <laughs> so I think that's great though for him to have that thing that he loves to do yeah. to enjoy himself. And like I will have – I do other things to enjoy myself. So it's – I think as much as we are together, um, I think it's good for us to have separate things too. Otherwise it's, it just yeah. becomes like – too much of a blur between like are we married mm-hmm. or this is partners like what's going on it's like i yeah. still like our relationship to be number one mm-hmm. and for us to still have that closeness um mm-hmm. but to still be individuals within that so yeah that makes That's sense super healthy outlook makes a lot of sense. yeah it, re- <laughs> it reminds me of like a i'm sure this happens for a lot of relationships where i'll just use me for example i'll come home from work one day and i'll tell laura Oh, like so and so said this to me, and it blew my mind. Like, mm. and she would be like, "Yeah, I've said that seventeen times to you before." <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just hear it differently, right? That's why you need different relationships, yeah. you need different perspectives, different environments. Exactly. Yeah, yeah totally. You almost yeah. need so, that disconnect. Yeah, yeah. Like we can't be everything to ever. Like we can't be mm-hmm. everything to our partners. You know, mm-hmm. I think there yeah. needs to be. Uh, we are still individuals that what he needs is like is different than what I need and then how mm-hmm. I get that support to be different. So yeah. all relationships are different. I was Dave and I were mm-hmm. part of this relationship summit once and the it was kind of like an interview very similar to this and um but with both of us. Mm-hmm. And she interviewed all these couples, like from all over, of varying um like uh cultures. Like there was people in Europe, there's people in Canada and the US, like kind of from everywhere. Oh, cool. Different uh, years together like variation and and uh, yeah. after our interview it's like well what have you learned from speaking with all of these couples and she's like honestly every single couple is different yeah like there's I can't even tell you if there's like a singular commonality between any of you everyone mm-hmm. all of you have had to figure out what works for you mm-hmm. um or work for within your kind of unit yeah um so and I've always held those stance that like you can kind of observe what goes on with with, with two people, but I think mm-hmm. the truth is with them, and everyone yeah. needs to figure out what works works for them. So, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know if it's like so much about taking relationship advice, or if it's just about like learning how learning how to navigate life within a relationship. You know, mm-hmm. like how can you live your own life while building a life together with somebody else? Because right. certainly our dreams don't always line up. You know. Like mm-hmm. Dave may see our life here. I might see it there. It's like, well, yeah. how's that going to come together? So I think that's just being open about it and understanding each other and uh, finding a place in the middle. Yeah. It's a fine dance. No kidding. You can say that again. Good mm-hmm. thing you're a dancing expert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not used to couples dancing though, to be fair. <laughs> not, a, not a ballroom dancer. <laughs> I think your answer to that question partly answers another question I had, but I'll ask anyway, see if there's more to elaborate. Uh, how, let's meet from the point of view of being married and working together, but also from mm-hmm. the point of view of being very driven and mm-hmm. goal oriented and just always going towards your next milestone. Yeah. Um, how do you view the idea of work life balance? I think the key really with like uh, relationships, like the roles we play. Is, is honestly having like an honesty session with yourself as to how much each of those roles needs to take in your life mm-hmm. and deciding how much energy you're going to give to each area and then building a life around that. So right now I'm in a bit of in a place where uh, my kids are young still, like nine and five, and mm-hmm. I want to be 
as involved as humanly possible, but I also mm-hmm. want to work um, and help grow this company using my right. gifts and my skills and my knowledge and everything else. And so it's like, well, how, how am I going to do that? <laughs> like, that's like really tough. And, you know, you hear these stories of entrepreneurs that work, have to work 80, 90 hours a week, right. Or, mm-hmm. or more. And it's like, yeah. how does that work with young kids? It yeah. doesn't really, right. It's like, mm-hmm. you just have nannies everywhere and needing to call an extra support and everything else. And so mm-hmm. the way I look at those kinds of questions is, well, it's like, well, how do I, how do I see it working for me? And how do I really want to live within that mm-hmm. lifestyle? Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of the things I'm working on, I may have kind of started saying this, but didn't finish it, was that I want to work less. Like I'm trying to see if I can grow the company to the size that I want it to be, but only work 25 hours a week. Right. Is that possible? Um, I think it is. If mm-hmm. I just a- apply myself and develop the right processes and systems to support our growth so yeah. that uh, I can develop a, a company that could support that. So that's like something I'm working on right now, actually. It's like, how can I only be really working for five hours, five, six hours at a max a day so that mm-hmm. I can still be an engaged mom. Yeah. So you just, I don't feel it's fair to work like for even 40 to 50 hours a week and like yeah. truly be there to support your kids, especially if you have like three or four, however many kids you have. I only have mm-hmm. two, which I think is plenty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I think it's more just an honesty session. Can you have it all? You maybe, probably not actually. I think you can have what you want, or you can have. How does the saying go? It's so smart. My my friend told it. She's like, you can have anything, but you can't have everything. Uh. So I think people need to just make the decisions for the core areas that they want to develop in their life, and mm-hmm. then how are they going to use their time appropriately, knowing what we know about focus and time. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of great research and information out there about use of time and focus. There's a book I love called Essentialism that I'm constantly trying to anchor myself to, but it's hard. It's hard to be a true essentialist, but the theory of it and the philosophy of it is, is amazing. Um, and it's just the idea that we will not rise even close to where our potential can go, even if we just focus in a singular area, whereas most of us are spraying our energy out in like all around the circle. I don't know if you've seen yeah. that graphic with the circle with all the arrows versus the si- circle with the singular arrow. No. So it's like we have to just pick pick the areas that are really going to take our attention, yeah. and and understand that that we are going to have to sacrifice a few things here and there mm. for the better betterment of those things. So the amount of the amount that you can take on, I think, is a very personal decision. It's like maybe you yeah. can only really take on like four main things right now. Yeah. It's like your work, your family, like your health, and mm-hmm. I don't know <laughs> what's another area like fitness. You know. Yeah. Maybe that's all that's reasonable right now. And mm-hmm. then figure out how those things work in your life. I'd say that's probably all I really have time for in my life. It's like a little bit of fitness, mm-hmm. my kids, my work, and yeah. like hopefully my relationship sometimes. Yeah. So I don't think it's about balance. I think it's about um the conversation is really about priorities and then learning how to manage your time within those priorities. And those priorities can change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you say that change, that can change and even just uh, reevaluating and always setting the next goals that it's interesting that you could change also yeah, the direction of where that next goal is, right? Like maybe at some point it's, I want the salary that I can make in a year, in a month. And then mm-hmm. later it becomes, now I want that 
working less like that yeah exactly i actually want like a 10x of what i have now only working this much Mm -hmm. so it's all just ideas right so it's like Mm -hmm. are we willing to accept some of these ideas and some people accept ideas really fast and they make it happen Mm -hmm. and then others really fight with themselves over it so how quickly we accept these ideas of what we want is a really interesting thing because we've Mm -hmm. got paradigms that hold us back from the things that we want or tell us no you can't have that or no you can't live like that or that's not possible it's like well other people have done it or people Mm -hmm. are doing it so it clearly is possible so are you just rejecting something that someone else has accepted and the answer is usually yes interesting yeah honestly it's an honest conversation with yourself like what (laughs) what are the main priorities maybe you've seen those things before those life wheels um where you oh, kind of yeah. like measure it's like a pie graph of yeah like can you even see that mm-hmm. yeah. yeah where yeah it's like home career finances spirituality rest and play personal growth health and wellness romance and love relationship with family relationship with friends mm-hmm. it's like yeah all those things are great but to be a 10 out of 10 in all of those is never possible mm-hmm. you know it's yeah, like yeah. maybe for this time of year like three of those things become front and center and then uh and then something something gets a rest and then something else comes in for a bit so yeah and that's not to say the other six or seven are not important just it's not what you're focused on right now that's right so i think it's being aware of how much you can realistically focus on in a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. and that's where the honesty comes in and that's where the like i'd say the awareness of your own like your own self-awareness comes in can you like the difference between when you are doing let's say too many hats at the mm-hmm. same time and then you gradually let some of those go and have a more focused at least work uh, environment now mm-hmm. how does it feel before versus now like what is the your how do you yeah. take in work I, I feel like I'm always somewhat busy I'm always quite mm-hmm. committed to things but uh certainly it's like a, a lot more ease in it now there's yeah. a lot more ease there's a lot more, it's more peaceful. Mm-hmm. It's um, like, I remember I was just like running all the time, uh, like back then when I was like really committed to all three things, especially if one thing was really ramping up and then there'd be slow times. And that's when I'd probably make up for not exercising for like four months. It's like, okay, now I'll get back to the Pilates gym or I'll um, spend more time with my kid or I'll, me and Dave will have time to do mm-hmm. something. And then that would become the focus. But honestly, the ease part is probably the biggest thing. Um mm-hmm feeling like a greater sense of ease, uh, more control over my life in general, more control mm-hmm. over myself and how I feel, more control over my attitude. I could fall into like really bad attitude sometimes when the work would really pile up and I would just be mm-hmm. like, oh, I freaking hate everyone and I hate everything and yeah. this sucks. <laughs> and that's just a symptom of being like overly stressed and taxed. Right. So if I ever get to that state, the only person I can get mad at is me because I'm the controller of everything. Like it's my company. Mm-hmm. I don't have a boss telling me what to do. Um, so learning how to uh, navigate my own energy um, has certainly grown. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I'd say the ease, the ease of things, being able to deliver things has really grown too. Because my capacity's right. changed a lot too from when I was in that time in my life to now. My ability mm-hmm. to pump something out is far more advanced. Something yeah. that would have taken me six weeks, even two years ago, could take me about a week today. So uh, you just grow so much capacity in your profession mm-hmm. too in that time as well. So yeah, and you just can't rush that experience, right? Experience just comes from time. So yeah, when you go through this exercise of I'll call it like weeding out mm-hmm. time sucks, I'll call them. Sure. How do you decide between? Because like when you spoke in the past, you had you had to 
uh, sort out things when you're doing dance instruction, mm-hmm. you're doing festivals, you're yeah, like doing all of Still those even things at the Dave same in time. The beginning days, yeah, yeah, and they were all very important to you, and you mm-hmm. all pro- you it sounds like you found passion in all of those. How do you how do you decide? I guess between those. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, there's like two things that I kind of that come to mind with that. The first is like imagining my life in the future. Okay. I've done this for almost every major life decision, like even mm-hmm. from where what house I live in to like how many kids I'm gonna have. <laughs> I right. just look at um what does my life look like when I'm 65? I'm like, mm-hmm. are there kids there? Are there grandkids there? And that was like yeah. one thing I remember doing that, playing that game, that kind of mental theater exercise with myself and uh mm-hmm. there was kids there and so mm-hmm. i was like oh shit he's like because oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like at the time i was like terrified to have kids i was like yeah. it's gonna hurt it's gonna be scary i don't want to do it and then it's like no but when you're 65 you're gonna want your kids there so suck it up and yeah. have your kids so yeah. Get to it. so this like idea of like maybe is it future pacing or future memories Mm-hmm. I use like future memories to help me make decisions now. So hmm. that, that was really useful. I used that with how many kids I had, if I was going to have kids. And then also like with the career thing too, it's like, okay, 20 years from now, am I still going to be a dance teacher? And the answer was no. So it's like, is there a decision that I'm delaying that I could make now? So Dave yeah. calls that advanced decision-making, not like, mm-hmm beginner intermediate advance it's more like can i make a decision in advance knowing that the outcome is going to be shifting in the future oh that's interesting so that um that's something that has helped me make all like almost all of my major decisions and then another thing that i find useful too that's just a good uh reminder is if it's like if it's not a hell yes then it's a hell no Mm. so Mm. there's a there's also a, a decision making uh tool within essentialism that book i mentioned earlier um that states uh every major decision you make needs to be like a 90 percent to be a green light and anything that's 89 percent and under is a no wow so so that's you know that's tough so it's like if you're making a business decision to maybe run a new course or a program or something like that it needs to be like a 90 percent of like time resources profitability whatever like all the different things that you would decide the, yeah. the maybe the decision making criteria all needs to score like a 90 in order to move forward and are you prepared to say no to something that's like an 85 percent that could make you money yeah that could be good for people but mm-hmm. it's not a 90 so oh my it takes courage to make those decisions and that's why letting go is so tough sometimes right because it's I'm like kidding. this is still great i still love this but is it where you're heading? Is it in yeah. your future? So that's a great question to ask and even visualize your future. And it's like, what's in the future? And mm-hmm. what decisions need to be made now in order to get to that future? Yeah, that's super interesting. I find, I feel like I do a lot of things that I'm like curious about. They feel good while I'm doing them. And I'm like, oh, this might be able to go somewhere. And I'm mm. interested in it. Yeah. But is it really, is it a 90%? If I ask myself that, probably most of them are no. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about it like that. That's such a high bar <laughs> to it be dropping stuff off at. Oh, for sure. But if you want to be an expert or if you want mm-hmm. mastery, probably probably where it needs to be. Yeah. Interesting. I thought of something about the perfectionism that you said, and I imagine myself as a dancer having that perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Was that really hard? Like, did you get really nervous going into like dance 
recitals and things oh, like yeah, this. Oh, yeah, for that, sure. Like, if you're not perfect, because yeah. I'm thinking of one of my sons right now, like, it's almost paralyzing that if he can't do something perfectly, he won't. It's really stressful for him. Mm-hmm. Did you find Absolutely. that at all as a perfectionist? Oh, for sure. Dancer? There was tons of pressure to be like mm-hmm. a top performer all the yeah. time. And it's it's good and bad, right? Like you need to have high standards. You need to be pushed yeah. to achieve great, like to, you know, achieve the potential that's available to you now. And we all know we have infinite potential. So it's really hard to reveal it all. We never will reveal all of our potential. Mm-hmm. But to reveal even just some of it, uh, you need to be pushed and you need to be coached and mentored through that. Because mm-hmm. it's like all of those things are all mental, like dance performance, sport performance, like all of that, like so much of it is mental. Like you can mm-hmm. train until you're blue in the face. And most people are probably well-trained or have like a good fitness level and all this stuff. And then one girl does well, one girl does bad. And it's mm-hmm. like lots of times it's just down to the mindset or like the stage fright. So a few things that I find help with performance. Um, one thing is like, it's not about you. So right we get perfectionism and we get self-conscious, right? Mm-hmm. People are yeah. watching me. People are going to be judging me. People are going to be like evaluating me and all this stuff, yeah. right? But at least in dance, it's a performance art. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's always about the audience. And that kind of deflates it a bit where it's like, oh, it's just me creating an emotional response for my audience. It's me yeah. entertaining my audience. And that's mm-hmm. what the focus needs to be in a performance setting. And nothing else should be thought about at that phase. But the other thing about perfectionism too is that, um, well, it holds back your inner perfection. So we're spiritual beings. We live in a physical body. We're living this physical experience. But we have like infinite supply, infinite supply to like ideas. Our imagination is like this gateway to just everything that's possible for us and for all humans. Mm -hmm. And when we just hold on so tight to making everything in the physical world perfect, we like cinch the supply, we cinch the energy flow, we cinch the expression. Right. Because we're so focused on ourselves. We're so worried about ourselves. We're so worried about what people think. We're so worried about disappointing someone else. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to overcome, especially yeah. as a young child, when you're mm-hmm. not really conscious or aware of that kind of stuff. It's hard as an adult. Yeah. So, but it's such an important awareness to have that if we're if we're holding on so tight to making something so perfect. Um, we're cinching the flow. We're cinching what's available to us. We're cinching mm-hmm. inspiration. We're cinching the feedback that can come from it. We're cinching even the possibility that what we imagine isn't even close to what it could be if we would just let in, right. let in more energy, just let it go. Just let it go. It comes back to even that idea of like the branding idea. It's like release it at 75%. Mm-hmm. Don't see, don't keep it hidden until it's 100%. Like release it at like 75, 80% and then see mm-hmm. what happens. And then maybe one day it will get to 100% once you've gotten that feedback, but not before. Mm-hmm. You need the feedback first. Just depends on how you gather that feedback, I suppose, the more sophisticated you get. But yeah. for sure with perfectionism, it's not about you. It's about the other people. Um, do not hold yourself back by thinking you need to be perfect for somebody else. Mm-hmm. You need to be perfect for you. And then it's honestly just do it for the audience. So it's kind of like a weird – we call them – Dave and I call them like paradoxes of success <laughs> – it's like mm-hmm. let go but do it for the people and like express yourself but it's all for them <laughs> it's like <Yeah>. that's, <laughs> but it's true it's weird it's like weird like weird opposite kind of ideas sometimes make sense no you did a good job of explaining it and i feel like it, it's hard for us to accept and understand it how do i teach it to a seven-year-old or a three-year-old have you guys for sure well 
Are you finding you just, that with your kids? Are you teaching them all this stuff? Yeah. Well, honestly, just trying to help them relax, like trying to help like Abby, you know, she's right in the thick of like performances and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. trying to help her relax into those things, um, you know, just kind of just let it all be about the performance at this phase. Like, right. don't worry about your feet. Don't worry about your stretched knees. Don't worry about your split jumps. Just, just let it go. Yeah. Just let mm-hmm. it all go on stage. Mm. And she still gets nervous. Like, right. It's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. You don't want her to yeah. be nervous, but it's hard to get over that. But I'll just keep yeah. driving home those, those same ideas. Mm-hmm. Everything I've learned about this, uh, like mindset topic, I think, Oh, I wish I had this earlier. I don't know. I like if, if I was younger and I, somebody mm. told me this, I think it would have, been helpful i think it'd be cool to learn it earlier so i think it's must be pretty cool for your kids to be hearing all this from, from you guys i hope so <laughs> like dave little. was trying i hope so dave was trying to teach abby what a stick man is you guys are familiar with the stick man to mm-hmm. understand how the mind works and um yeah like she was starting to sketch it and understand but it's you know it's not totally yeah. internalized right so mm-hmm. we'll just slowly <laughs> start to get into the drinking water and yeah does it ever go the other way around like have you evolved your mindset in any way as a being a parent from learning from your kids i'm sure you have but to put you on the spot does something come to mind (laughs) oh yeah well i find like something that like patience i've had to learn like i like i said i always liked working with 12 plus kids so like to work with younger kids has been like i've had to learn a lot on like how they work and how their brains work and when they start to connect it's like a lot later like it's you know five six years old is when that like prefrontal cortex starts to come online so just understanding like a bit more of the the behind the scenes like plumbing that needs to be connected it really yeah. helps you and navigate oh those tantrums or oh those meltdowns it's like well that's why this is happening or this is why they're in that state so it's been a practice of just getting educated on how little minds work um expanding that awareness has helped me improve my patience for sure because it's like they can't help it sometimes and you just have to Mm -hmm. help them navigate those big feelings something that i I always try to tell my kids is it is okay to have big feelings Mm -hmm. because i don't want them to ever feel like they have to suppress anything that they're feeling yeah so i try to i try to welcome those things with with love but then help them work through them which is always a challenge but it's one that's really valuable and then the last is like practicing empathy like always mm. empathizing with them, um, trying to put myself into their lives for a while. And I know you really want to watch, you know, the yeah. 90th episode of Paw Patrol and eat nerds all day. Mm-hmm. I yeah. know that that's fun, <laughs> but you just can't do it anymore. Or it's like, yeah. no, we're not going to do that today. Mm-hmm. I know you love to do that because I find, especially with my five-year-old, as soon as she feels understood, it does mm-hmm. neutralize a little bit of the. Yeah. I just think it's like as adults – the more I, the more experience I have, the more I feel like we're all just little kids pretending to be adults. Like it's like, so, sure. like so, some, it's like so often the inner, like reactions are still there. We've just learned to manage them in a way. But yeah. like sometimes when things are not going, well, it's like, oh, man, I wish I would just cry and call for my mom. Like yeah, oh for sure. Like someone save so me from this. Yeah, exactly. I only feel like I've like turned into a real adult in the last two years, even like. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like really, just starting to get, just starting to get started. Really, it's just a whole process. You you mentioned Paw Patrol, which made which led me to one of my rapid fire questions. I wanted to ask, uh, what's your sure. favorite Disney movie? Oh, good this question. This isn't a pitch for Disney. I just was curious. No, I've always been a Disney fan. <laughs> your house. Um, I love Moana. Actually, Moana is like one of my favorites right now. It's mm-hmm. and they could change, I guess, but that one for sure like one of my top and then uh coco i loved coco as well more modern oh, me too yeah yeah those two are awesome yeah you've have you seen encanto 
I have. Yeah. That one's also okay. great. The only other question I had was, is there anything that you wanted to say that you haven't had a chance to yet or anything that you wanted to tell our listeners that will change their life oh. forever? No pressure. <laughs> That's a tall order. <laughs> no pressure at all. I, I think just like stay curious, you know, stay mm -hmm. curious about life. Stay curious about yourself and the way things work. Ask yourself questions. Ask questions of those around you and the way things are done. And um, never feel like anything out there that you want can't be yours because anything you can't, you do want can be yours. That's mm -hmm. the truth. So anchor yourself, anchor yourself always to the truth. The truth being that you need to be number one in your life, that the things you want can be yours, that perfectionism is a myth, um, mm -hmm. that balance is a myth. Anything that anything you feel called to do, you should act on and um, just stay curious. Holy smokes. What an answer. Yeah. So, so something in there is going to change lives. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a lot that of, a lot of wisdom. I hope Thank so. You, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> well, you're amazing, Jack. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I feel even more honored that we got to squeeze in an hour and a half of your time your valuable well, time so it. yeah we really appreciate you coming on uh keep up the amazing work uh hopefully we can get your husband on here too It'd be great absolutely well i appreciate you guys having me and i applaud you for doing this kind of work too like putting together this i know this doesn't just happen so you know mm -hmm. and you're both probably busy with other things like everyone <laughs> so thank you for being uh cheerleaders for no change which is awesome so thank, thank you. you i appreciate thank that you.